All right, please turn with me to Ephesians 6, verse 13. Page 1177. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the, e when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled round your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Thank you, Daniel. Um, I'm really excited um, that Gladiators relaunched yesterday. Did anyone watch it? Come on, no one. If you haven't, you can catch up on iPlayer. But we're really excited today that we've got a special guest from the original Gladiators. We've got Ace. Um, who is a good friend of ours. Um, he's called Warren. So can we give Warren a massive round of applause as he comes up today? Thank you. That was really kind. <laughs> and um, rather than do a normal... <laughs> Look at you there. <laughs> Time's taking its toll, I'm afraid. <laughs> a lot of sausage. <laughs> I was trying to work out what sort of oil you used there but, um, <laughs> for my summer holidays, trying to work it out. But um, Warren, we're so excited that you're here today. Um, Warren is married to Dee. They've got two amazing children. And I got to know you guys a little bit at HDB. Um, and you've got an amazing story in which we want to hopefully get a little bit about today. But can you tell us a bit about your upbringing, where it was, what was it like? Were you brought up by Christians? Tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, so although I grew up in Essex, I was born in, um, in Doncaster. And uh, I was one of five brothers. Uh, my dad was a roofer. And uh, he had some great sayings where he'd say, like, skills pay the bills. So <laughs> he was like, you will all be roofers. And uh, <laughs> oh, really, uh, yeah, free laborers. I think that's what, <laughs> that's what he was looking for. And he'd say, you know, the secret to happiness is to work hard and play hard. Um, but one of our brothers died when we was growing up. And so when that happened, I was a bit like, uh, no, no, my mum and dad said to me, there's no God. You know, if there was a God, your brother wouldn't have died. And that made perfect sense to me. So I'd looked at my dad who worked harder than anybody that I know. He was the most honest man. Uh, yet he always struggled. You know, people uh, exploited him. Uh, and we sort of grew up, not in poverty, but pretty much poor. Grew up in a halfway house a lot of my life then on to a council estate, we moved back to Essex. But it became a big um, problem between me and my dad because all my brothers did become roofers. They all got skills to pay the bills. <laughs> um, but I grew up sort of 80s, 90s, and back then, muscles ruled the world. You know, Sylvester Stallone was taken on the world single-handed. Um, <laughs> you had Arnold Schwarzenegger, the highest-paid movie star in history. And as far as I could see, that weren't for his acting. You know, it was more... <laughs> 
So I just said to dad, I want to be one of these bodybuilders. You told me there's no God, you get one life. The average age of a man is 70 years old. So I don't want it to be a tragedy that I was born and I die without experiencing the whole that life has to offer. So I'm going to be a movie star. And so I started to go to the gym and pump iron and these sorts of things. And my dad said to me, he started to get worried then because, you know, all my brothers had pictures of Kylie Minogue on the walls and stuff. And I had like pictures of blokes in their pants doing poses. <laughs> and, uh, and so he was like, listen, if you don't get a job by the time you leave school, and bear in mind, you know, I had no academic ability. I had ADHD. I didn't know I had it growing mm. up, but I'd struggled at school. Um, so he said, if you don't get a job by the time, you know, school ends, uh, I'm kicking you out. You know, I'm not going to enable this delusion that you want to be a superstar. Yeah, so you've grown up in sort of at home. Your dad's told you you've got to get a job. Um, what happens? Um, so he, he, he was true to his word. He had another great saying that was anything that consumes without producing will fail. Yeah. And if you look to nature, that's true, isn't it? You know, things that if you're taking and not giving, it don't work. And um, I started to consume without producing. So him and all my brothers would go to work all day. Meanwhile, I'd be eating all the chicken and the tuna and drinking all the milk and going to the gym, consuming everything in the fridge. <laughs> Producing nothing. Yeah. So he said, you're out, and he kicked me out. And if you was homeless in Essex back then, um, you were sent, you were, the only place you'd go was the YWCA, the Young Women's Christian Association. <laughs> uh, I didn't choose that, by the way. It's just that there was no YMCA. Yeah. Um, so I went in there, and so I was, um, you know, on register, I was like homeless looking wow. for somewhere to live. So it was quite a tough, wow. tough time. So that's the upbringing. You're declared homeless, and you've got this dream of being the next Arnie. And then you hear about gladiators. Yeah. And what happens next with that? I think before then, I, there was a bit where I wobbled. You know, I'd realised when I, once I was homeless and I was living in that hostel, you know, and it was back when Maggie Thatcher had given us a poll tax as well. Can you remember that? So they were, they were hitting me up for this poll tax and I didn't have any money anyway. It was just, it was all a bit of a struggle. And I was quite angry. And also, um, I'd never realised that to look like Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone, you had to forage into the murky world of anabolic steroids. Yeah. But now I'd gone too far, you know, I'd sort of, I had to cross this line, and so I felt like such a loser, you know, I'm like, I'm going to have to do that in order to take that next step. And I'm being told things like the bigger the risk, the bigger the payoff. Mm. But, you know, unless you can turn yourself into a freak, you're not going to be able to get on the big screen. Yeah. So I had to take that step. Uh, it was detrimental to my health, you know, it was dangerous. Um, but then Gladiators was about then, and I used to watch that, and I thought maybe that could be a stepping stone to Hollywood. It was the first reality TV show, yep. in that there was just five channels. Anyone remember that? Just five channels. <laughs> uh, and so you could write into the show, and that's exactly what I did. But I didn't say I want to be a contender. I said, I want to be a, glad a gladiator. Well, actually, I didn't say that. I said, see all your gladiators. I can bash them all up with my hands tied behind my back. <laughs> in a hope that they would invite me on. And, um, and they did. They invited me to a fitness uh, challenge and a tryout where essentially I had to fight with about 60 blokes, all built like a barn door, uh, uh, to try and get this job as a gladiator. And, wow. and I got it. Wow. And so you have been declared homeless at this stage. You've gone through that, your upbringing, then you're suddenly burst on the scene in gladiators. How was, like, I guess, being suddenly thrust into stardom, fame... And all that comes with that. What was that like? Um, I really went from rags to riches. You know, I was like Charlie in Charlie in the Chocolate Factory getting the golden ticket. <laughs> I was like, no way, this is incredible. And I remember the first thing they did is they sent a stretch, London Weekend Television sent a stretch limousine to the YWCA. <laughs> and I got in the back of that and it took me to Heathrow Airport, to the first class lounge for Air Mauritius. 
I met all the other gladiators, Jet and Wolf. I was just completely starstruck. And then we flew first class to the gladiator training camp in Latusa Rock in Mauritius. And I really felt at that point, Will, that I'd died and gone to heaven. I was like, <laughs> wow, I have cracked it. Yeah. And was it all that it was to be? You're there. You've made it. You're in first class lounges, flying around, getting limos picked up. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was incredible. I had to pinch myself all of the time, yeah. you know. Um, but show business is a business. Nobody ever told me that. I just thought if you get rich and famous, you live happily ever after. You sit with lottery winners, don't you? They, you know, they say, oh, if I win this money, I'll be happy. Then they win the money and they say, it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. My family, you know, everything fell apart. And really, um, show business was a bit like that for me. You know, it had its dark side as, uh, as well. Um, in that, you know, suddenly, you know, I was quite sort of introverted and self-aware. And then I was sort of becoming self-conceited, you know, because if everyone's calling you ace, you start believing that you're ace. That was my gladiator name. Um, and also, when I was on the TV, you know, I was meeting a lot of celebrities and stuff, and they weren't who they say they were on the screen. Mm. And I think it's a bit like social media now. You show this ideal, but it's not the real. So you almost feel quite, quite fake, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of mixed messages there. Um, nobody taught me the paradox of pleasure, which just means the more you get of something, the less it satisfies. You know, and when I'm getting everything that I want on a plate, I started to pick up some, some destructive habits, you know. Um, I suppose you would call it sin. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't know it was sin. It all felt pleasurable to me. And so I just, I was going down that road, but I didn't realize at that time it was damaging me. Yeah. You know, I just knew that I was a, there's a VIP, a very important person, but then they say you're a CIP, you're a commercially important person. So you're always sort of selling something. Okay. Um, so yeah, I got quite cynical and hard-hearted by, by the end of it. And in, in that time, you're also dating the most like famous model in the world in Casey Price and sort of like dealing with, I guess, riches, that and what was you know in that turbulent lifestyle what was that like in that um and how did you like how did it feel well again a bit like social media now i blurred the lines in that my private life was up for public consumption okay. so really you're selling your soul so you know we're getting engaged we're selling it to okay magazine and you know that does something to a young man's mind you know i'm watching my dad work harder than anyone i'd ever met and not really getting anywhere and meanwhile i'm selling lies to newspapers mm. And I'm being paid fortunes for it, you know, and I'm putting on a pair of Lycra pants, hitting people over the head with a stick and being paid a fortune for that. Meanwhile, my dad, yeah. he's working and really getting nowhere. So, you know, I like to say to people now, I was so, so full of myself, I would never be hungry for God. Yeah. Because I just felt I was celebrated for being ace. So, yeah. you know, I was so busy looking down on people, I never really looked up because yeah. I thought, well, this is it. But like I say, there was definitely that on the outside, I looked like I had it all. Yeah. But on the inside... I knew I was spiritually empty. You know, it did not fulfill. I thought it was going to fulfill, but it didn't. Yeah. And then Gladiators comes to an end. You've got this sort of set, skill set. What do you do when Gladiators finish? What happens? <laughs> yeah, so no skills to pay the bills, unfortunately. <laughs> and now, you know, I'm well into my 30s and all my brothers now are getting on, starting businesses, starting families. And, uh, you know, I'm still wrapped up thinking that I'm ace. So, so I think I had uh, an identity crisis. Well, is it a midlife crisis? But I think I had it a bit early on. <laughs> because it's like, okay, I thought that if I got all that, I'd be happy, I'd be satisfied. But actually, I was still living under the curse of 
death and fear, mm. really. You know, I was always trying to prove myself, you know. And when the show ended, it's like, who am I? You know, it's like, and I, what's life about? So I was asking them big questions, existential questions when the show en ended. But I was quite lucky in, in that I think a lot of people, they search for answers mm. to the big questions of life, but life's so busy, it's finding the time to do it. And in the end, up, you end up with like analysis paralysis because you're like, there's all these religions, all these different teachings. I don't know if I'm coming or going. So in the end, you don't make a decision, which of yeah. course is a decision in itself yeah. not to, you know, yeah. answer big questions. So yeah. um, I went on a real spiritual search. I was quite lucky because financially, I had not massively secured myself, but I'm, I had a bit, so I was able to examine the big questions of life. And I went everywhere except the Bible okay. and except church wow. because I've been to church and frankly, that stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. I was just <laughs> didn't, I didn't know what was going on. And, <laughs> and then I'd like get a Bible and bits of paper would fall on the floor. And I was like, and then people would start sort of repeating stuff, parrot fashion. And I was like, is this, is this a cult? What's going yeah. on? And is, there, is this brainwashing? So I thought a church was a bit like a speed camera. I thought it was there that, you know, they say you're there for, they're there for your safety, but really they're there to generate revenue. <laughs> That's how hard-hearted I was. Yeah, yeah. I never believed it was a body yeah. of Christ or any of these yeah. sorts of things. And I didn't, I'd seen what the, you know, the, I'd read the public narrative of what a priest is, mm. you know, dressed up like your mother saying, call me your father. That made no sense to me <laughs> either. So I'd stayed away from that. And then, of course, there's the person of Jesus. Yeah. I'd trained all my life to be big and muscly. I wanted this, this power. And then they're saying to me, oh, you know, the, the, the gospel is the good news of Jesus. And I'm like, it might be good news for you, but that ain't no good news for me. Yeah. I don't want to be associated with some weak bloke who was nailed to a cross and died thousands of years ago. I've been spending a lot of time in the gym. Yeah. But to bring that all really up to a, a close, um, I was eventually invited on an alpha course. Yeah. And so how did that come about? Uh, again, it just shows I was putting my faith in money because um, Britain's biggest independent hi-fi re retailer. He's called Richer Sounds. And the guy that owns it is a guy called Julian Richer. And he lived near me up in York. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'd heard that he gave Prince Charles business advice and got paid thousands for it. He had his own helicopter, private jet, and all of these things. And I also heard that he had a fellowship in his back garden. And I heard that you could go to it for free. So I thought, if I can go there and meet this fella, maybe he'll give me the answer to true riches. You know, maybe that'll, I'll find some freedom in that. Maybe, you know, I can, that'll liberate me. Yeah. And uh, so I went to his house on a Friday afternoon to this fellowship group. And, uh, and I met him and he gave me some advice. And that advice was, um, he, said, he said, if I gave you some advice, would you take it from me? I'm like, of course I would. You're King Julian. Everyone's, <laughs> you know, I was like worshiping this guy. And he said, okay, two bits of advice. One, go on an alpha course. And I was like, an alpha course? I've been on lots of courses, by the way, you know, all this like, spiritual courses and stuff. Um, and he said, in the second one, the second bit of advice, he said, get baptized and come back to me. Mm -hmm. And I've got to say, Will, that floored me. Because yeah. I was like, get baptized? What is he talking about? He can't be a Bible basher, surely. <laughs> I thought, this guy's got all, the, all this money. I always assumed that if you were a follower of God, you had mm -hmm. to be poor. Jesus turned up on a donkey, didn't he? Not on a private jet, do you know what I mean? Not that they were about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he just, I, just, I was just a bit like, there's something don't seem right here. Yeah. And I remember going home and saying to my wife, who always identified as a Christian, and I'd always thought that and said, you, you can pretend that you're like Jesus, mm. but you're not, you know what I mean? So um, I went back, I said, he's one of your mob. He's, I think he's like a holy roller or something. <laughs> so he told me to go on, a, on an alpha course. 
And uh, my wife said, well, I think, I think you should go. And so we went on, this was uh, nine years ago now, we went on an alpha course Amazing. at St. Michael Le Belfry in, yeah. in York. And that's the first time, I've got to say, that I didn't just hear the gospel, the gospel was clearly explained to me. And I was able to examine the evidence over those 10 weeks. Yeah. Uh, and I know I was a real pain, you know. <laughs> I remember someone really challenged me early on at the course because I said, um, I'm an atheist. And this fella said to me, really annoying, she went, God loves an atheist. And I was like, <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I want to prove to you there ain't a God. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But that's what he said. I don't know if he's jeering me up, but it works. Yeah. Um, and then I just, you know, I'm not one of these people that, that can take a leap of faith. Mm. You know, a lot of people say, oh, it's a leap of faith. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it could be a cult. could mm. ruin my life. My whole family's like, I'm not going to take no leap of faith. Yeah. Either it's true or false. Either there's a God that created the world or there isn't. So I started to examine the evidence of the person of Jesus Christ. And um, as I was going up and down to London, going into looking at the Codex Sineticus in the British Library and the Dead Sea Scrolls and all of these different things, it started to occur to me that I can't refute this stuff, you know, mm. and then you tie into that the fact that the whole planet is counting in unison <laughs> together yeah. since Jesus' birth to his return. I'm like, hang on a minute, I think I've been living my life on the wrong watch here, not yeah. realising there's something more going on. So you're on Alpha, you've heard this like evidence, you've come to... Guess logically think that's true, and then you and D um, stood there in a group. Like, what happens? Like, how did you come to faith? Like, what went on there? One, I think once I could get over the the offence of the gospel, because yeah. you know it's all right. People saying to you, you know, the gospel is a good news of Jesus. It's only good news if you respond to it. It's like getting a gift in it and unwrapping it. But actually, if you don't respond to it, it's actually quite bad news if you think about it. Because it means you're separated from God and you're, yeah. and you're in sin. You're wise in your own eyes. You're choosing something else other than God. So it's not particularly good news, is it? Mm. So I remember when they said to me, you know, um, you're a sinner. They didn't say it as brutal as that, but they were like, you're separated from God. I said, hang on, explain that to me. If God, you're telling me God loves me and he created me, why would I be separated from him? And so they explained this and they were like, you know, God is love. God is unconditional love. And he will not come into your life or force himself you have to invite him in. Mm. And this is the whole reason that Jesus came, so you can be reconciled to God. And so I'm like, what well, it'll cost me? And they're like, it'll cost you nothing. I'm still cynical at that point, but it cost Jesus everything. A bit yeah. like the NHS, though. It's pointed at the time of receiving it, <laughs> but later on, God will be working through you, so everything <laughs> will change. And then, of course, I struggled with this idea of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I'm like, what's that? And they're like, well, that's the spirit of God that was moving on the waters in Genesis. And this is how God gets things done in the world now. He comes into your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is how you encounter Jesus. It's not in the physical person of Jesus. It's by his spirit. And I'm like, right, okay, so God's spirit can come and live in me now. And it, bear in mind, I've been training all my life for like superpowers. And now they're telling me I can have God's power. <laughs> I was like, I'll have some of that. <laughs> um, but like I say, over them 10 weeks, I bickered, I argued, I just fought it all the way. And, then, and, and I think this is why we need to be intentional with faith, you know, because he actually had the sort of kahunas to step forward. I was having a bit of a to-do mm. with my missus at this point because to just touch on that story, we were both on this alpha course. She identified as a Christian. And of course, I didn't. And then, and then the curate was stood there. And I said... Just, and bear in mind, there's other people on the course, they're sort of listening and stuff. I said, just to clarify, because I've done all this research, and he said, go on. I said, so you're telling me I can have all my sins forgiven, past, present, and the future. I can always be forgiven. You know, I just confess. I'll be, yes, okay. And I can be um, 
I can have eternal life. That means I don't even have to fear death. I can just be completely liberated, not fear anything. They're like, yes. And I can be in a relationship with God and he'll fill me with a Holy Spirit, yes. And that Holy Spirit is the very same spirit that when the church was born at Pentecost and Jesus ascended, he said, I've got to go now. You imagine thousands of people following him around. I've got to go now, but I'll be back. But I'm going to give you the power that I have so you can do what I did and more. And he's like, yeah, that's right, Warren. I said, I've got that right. So this supernatural power that makes you like Jesus and you can do more than Jesus, this Holy Spirit, yeah. As Christians, you get filled with that. He went, yeah. I said, well, there's absolutely no evidence of that in my wife whatsoever. (laughs) Right? Now, that sounds terrible. (laughs) But that's not how I meant it. (laughs) So, so, So he was like, uh... What do you mean? I said, she's a, you know, she's a great woman. She's a lovely woman, great mum and that. I said, we give a bit to charity if we've got a bit spare. But she's no walking Jesus, let me assure you. <laughs> and he said to me, I thought he was going to say, because it was now disruptive in the course, you know. And so I thought he was going to say, he said, Warren, and I thought he was going to say, could you leave, please? You've been disruptive. And he said, you're right. And I was like, no way. I've just had a domestic with a missus. I've got a vicar on my side. <laughs> but I just like being right. He said, you're right. And I was like, Oh, and my wife sort of shrank back a bit. And then he said, um, so what are you going to do about it? And I was like, well, um, well, he said, you know what you're going to do about it, Warren. It's praying. It's just closing your eyes and asking to God, God to come in your life. And I was still, even though I couldn't refute it, I was still sort of, there's something about me that was just nervous about it. And he said, you know the biggest block between you and God? I was like, God. And he said, you. He said, if you could get out of the way of yourself, Warren, and humble yourself. Yeah. He said, you, you could invite God into your life. Anyway, that happened in that moment. Yeah. And uh, I said this prayer. And I've got to say, when I first said this prayer, I'd been so, I got so excited about the Holy Spirit. I honestly believed that the Spirit would come in and I'd start levitating a bit. Or, <laughs> or I'd be like the Ready Brett kid. Do you know what I mean? Or like, or like Bruce Almighty where he gets the traffic and it moves out of the way on his way home. I really thought something like that would happen. Mm. But I said this prayer and of course that didn't happen at all. Mm. I was like, oh, I don't really, I felt a peace, mm. but I didn't really feel a lot different immediately. Yeah. Um, but I've got to say, within, within two weeks, my wife saw such a change in me. Yeah. She said, this prayer that you've said, and we know it's not about the prayer, it's yeah. about the heart and it's about invitation. Mm. She said, I need to say it too. So wow. that's what happened. Amazing. Praise God. So you come to faith. <laughs> Glory to him, right? So you both have come to faith on that Alpha um, nine years ago. What difference did Jesus made to your life? <laughs> well, I like to say I came out of the rat race. And, you know, the human race is a rat race. If we, could, if we reduce it to just building our, our own empire, you know, all empires crumble. There's no luggage racks on a hearse, is there? So, no. And, you know, I was winning at it. I was King Rat. You know, I made fame and fortune and these things. Um, but I was living this life, life of fear. So I like to say I came out of the rat race and I came into God's grace. Mm. Started living into, grace just means God's unmerited favour. Yeah. You're living in God's blessing. And I didn't know that was available. Yeah. So I like to say I was living life in two dimensions, like in black and white. But once I was born spiritually, I started to see there's a whole dimension I knew nothing, out, nothing of. Yeah. And I think the main thing for me is that um, I was always, like I say, living under fear. Yeah. Um, but I felt a real freedom, a real joy in my life that I'd never had before and a real peace. And I think there's a real difference between joy and peace, uh, joy and happiness. Mm. I used to get happiness if things were conducive and happening for me, Mm. but it was fleeting, it was temporary, but I have a joy and a peace now like I've never experienced before, Will. Amazing. And then so you do that and then Gladys has finished, you've come to faith, 
you're walking with it. What, like, what's life like now for you, for Warren and Dee? What, what's going on? What are you guys up to? <laughs> I have to pinch myself, to be honest, because I remember when I got baptised, I remember coming out of that water and thinking, well, okay, what happens now? And uh, somebody gave me a word at the baptism and said, uh, evangelism, and I didn't know what that meant at the time, you know. And I started to share my story a little bit. Um, and then God started to use the gladiator story, not the TV gladiator mm. story, but really the Roman gladiator story. I started looking into that and seeing the story of the real Roman gladiators. You know, in Roman times, it was the same as now, lots of different false gods and religions. Um, and Jesus turns up right in the middle of it all and says, mm. look, you know, the law's fulfilled. It's no longer, you don't need these gladiator games killing each other and revenge. It's actually forgiveness you know and they're like you need to shut up the religious authorities we know what we're doing the roman empire is doing a great job without you we'll kill you if you don't shut your mouth and it's a bit like good luck with that yeah. <laughs> because of course they try to kill him yeah. he comes back they do kill him but he comes back he's resurrected and within 300 years the whole of the roman empire are proclaimed christian you know mm. how do you how do you dispute this stuff so i started to share the roman um, gladiator story yeah. in schools and in colleges and these sorts of things and I never believed, like I say, I used to be so offended by when I go into church because I just think this is a building. I didn't understand that the church is the body of Christ. It's not the yeah. building, it's believers coming, to, coming together. So when people say to me now, especially with gladiators coming back on, they say, oh, you're still bodybuilding. I say, well, I am, but I'm building the body of Christ, Come not on. my own body Come anymore. on, yeah, amazing. And so you're like, we've heard that passage, the armour of God read for us. What, like, how does that work in your life, this armour? And you being so big, is it like physically, but like what difference does it mean to wear the armour of God? Well, I think as Christians, we're all gladiators for God, really. And I think we're naive if we think there's no battle. And like I say, the gospel, it's either the best news in the world and people receive it, or it's a rock of offence. Yeah. You know, and people look at you and they think, you're, you know, they'll say, oh, Christian, you're, you're, you're bigoted, you're narrow-minded, you're unloving. And, and I think we have, a, a, we have a responsibility, actually, to change that narrative because that's not what it is. The gospel is the gospel of grace and it's of love. And, you know, Jesus didn't say go and judge everyone. Or, mm. He said go and love them, whether that be in word and that, yeah. that be in deed. But I think, you know, firstly, um, you know, we know, who's, we know we're on the winning team. God is sovereign. God's sovereignty is our serenity. Yeah. That's great. Um, but we also know we've got the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So actually, you know, you can talk. It's a bit like if you're doing evangelism, you can't talk anybody into the kingdom of God. The mm. Holy Spirit does that yeah. through you, for you. Yeah. Um, but secondly, you know, life is a battle. You know, I don't believe anyone, there's anybody who doesn't have a battle of a day. Mm. But that's the exciting part about Ephesians 6.13. And it God gives us armor. And he says, look, I give you spiritual armor so you can fight this battle. So again, I like to think about that. And so... If I'm explaining that in a church setting, I like to actually put the armour on. I would have put it on you if we'd had a bit more time. Nice, Dressed sorry. him up, or maybe the gladiator <laughs> kit. You know, they like me. You would have looked great in I that. think I'd have to sleep <laughs> listen a little bit first, get into it, but yeah. And, um, and so you, you go into schools and you do that, but now then recently you and Dee are on a, a next step in a different way, right? And so you're no longer just gladiators going around sharing the gospel. And like today, Warren literally came from BBC this morning. Um, and so we're so grateful. You've been through all the papers this week, but on a Sunday, you're involved in, in church. And tell us a little bit about what life looks like for you two in what you're doing now. Yeah, I would never have thought that we'd be getting called into ordination because it got to a point, we started a, like an organized little charity to work with churches mm -hmm. so that we came with provision because I thought it was really important that the gospel came to me for nothing. Yeah. So if, if it was a well-supported ministry that we could take the gospel for, for nothing, you know, there wouldn't be a barrier to hearing truth. 
Um, so we started to do that, and then the, 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 our diary got packed out. You know, mm. there's a real hunger and a real need to hear the gospel, you know, and to tell young people who are exposed to so much filth on their phones that they're loved, yeah. you know, and God has a plan for them. Is, I, I see that as an absolute privilege, you Imagine. know. But when lockdown came, our um, diary was cleared, and I was like, Lord, where are you in this? I don't understand. Why would you, why is the diary cleared mm. if, the, you know, people need to hear the gospel? And then... Um, uh, it was Nicky Gumbel at Alpha, and of course, Alpha was dear to our hearts because God used that to bring us into faith. Mm. He said, would you come and speak? Could I interview at the church? And we did that, and then he told me about the Peter Stream, which is um, an ordination, uh, a, sorry, discernment tract for people who, where there's barriers to ordination. Like I say, I have ADHD, mm. so no academic background, no academic arena, just a gladiator one, yeah. you know. Um, and so um, we were invited to start being discerned into the Church of England, which I never saw coming. Wow. I was like, vicars, really? Us? I didn't <laughs> see it. Um, and so me and my wife now have done that. It's been discerned, mm -hmm. and um, we've done the, I can't even say it, theological yeah. training. Um, and then we get ordained into the Church of England in, in summer. It's Come on, how exciting is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you, just hearing what the Lord's done in Warren's life, hearing what the Lord can do in that transformation journey that actually that's where we find true joy and peace and this new purpose and new calling. Um, a lot of the press is that Church of England's declining, and it is. But with people like Warren and Dee going into places and planting churches, sharing the gospel, I'm convinced that the Lord hasn't forgotten England and that we're going to see a revival like we've never seen before. And so um, we want to respond. So can you stand if you're able? And um, we're going to pray. But thank you, Warren, so much.